Jesus to the ends of the earth. Now I want to encourage you, if you're here for the first time, you're in a second part of a series called Following Jesus and what that means. And really it's designed to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. Last week we made a couple of startling discoveries. We discovered last week that being a sinner does not disqualify you to following Jesus. We also learned that being an unbeliever does not disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, most of his crew were always doubting when they were with him. They didn't even believe he was from God or if he was divine half the time. They struggled. And last week we learned how religion says, hey, you change first, then you can join us. Jesus says, hey, join me and you'll change. What a different view of following Jesus. So you've been invited. Jesus is inviting you to follow. And, that, and even if that means following just part of the teaching, just follow. And the question we asked everyone last week was, are you following? In fact, the first century group that Jesus was, that he had were a mix of a very strange people. He had zealots, people that wanted to overthrow the government. He had tax collectors. He had doubters. Remember Thomas? He was a doubter. He had businessmen. He had men. He had women. He had rich, not so rich. He, he had the respectable. He had the not so respectable. He had the educated, the not educated. He had the blue collar. He had the white collar. He had them all. And today I'm going to tell you a story about the life of Jesus that illustrates better than any other story I can find on how to begin to follow Jesus. And there are two versions to the story. One is a crazy version, and the other version fills in the gaps that points to the way of how to follow. Let's look at the crazy version first. Look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4. I think I have it on the board for you if you didn't have your Bible today. Though I do encourage us opening our Bibles, because it is good practice to open your Bible. But if you're, if, you're, if you're going blind like me and you need some big fonts, you can look at the board. So Matthew chapter 4 verse 18, it reads this. This is the crazy version. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going a little farther, he saw two other brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. You know, when you read that, it's kind of unrealistic. Going, He just kind of cruises by one day. Hey, yo, follow me. Okay, see you later, Dad. <laughs> it's like, that's irresponsible. What are these guys doing? That's unrealistic. Have fun, Dad. See you later. There's some stranger came up to me and says, follow me. I will follow you. <laughs> you know, in the, in the college ministries, that happens a lot. Because they don't know what they want, what they do want. Someone says, Father, they go, okay, where's the party? <laughs> You're married, have a job, and have kids. You're going like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need a little bit of more information. Then I'm just going to drop and leave my dad on the boat and go and follow you. I used to be crazy in college, but I'm responsible now. And stories like that can make us end up making us feel like, I can't become a follower of Jesus until... I just need a little bit more information. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I can just write, let God write a blank check with my life yet. You know, all in or nothing. Do or die. You know, I've heard it preached like that. 
If he's not Lord of all, he's not, he's not Lord at all. And I believe that now after 22 years of being a Christian, but when I first met Jesus, I was nowhere near that. Lord of all, man, no, I'm not giving you nothing. I need some more information. When I was met, I studied the Bible for two, and a, two months before I even came to church because I needed information. I studied the Bible in October through December. Then came to church in January. Because wow. I needed some little more. I'm just not going to drop my life to follow someone. I'm, I'm trying to get a college degree. Right? Yeah. I worked in a warehouse for a summer. I don't want to go back there. I need a degree. And some Christians who you respect, they can intimidate you because they're like, yeah, all in. And you're like, whoa, I just got here. I'm visiting for the first time. I'm not sure. And sometimes you can wrongly but understandably assume that they've always been like that. And they haven't. Moses, one of the greatest figures in the Old Testament. He, when, when God called him, he wasn't like, okay, I'll do whatever. He was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not sure I can even do that. Go back where? The Pharaoh? You know who that guy is? He's crazy. How about Abraham? I want you to go to the land of Canaan. He took his sweet time getting to Canaan. He camped out for years in other cities. Then he got to Canaan. How about doubting Thomas? He was with Jesus three years. He saw him die. He saw him raise his life. He goes, is that you? Jesus literally had to show him his scar. Here's my arm. Here's where I put the spear. This is me. Here, I'm eating food. It's me. That's what Thomas needed. So the good news is, for us, that's not necessarily how you follow Jesus according to this passage. Here's some information. So the second passage is going to fill in some of the things that happened in between these statements. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look in the book of Luke, chapter 5. You can turn it with me. I have a map on the board that I want to show you. I was a geography major, so I love maps. Wow. Here's the, here is the land of Canaan, or as we know it today, Israel. And there is a sea above here. This is the Dead Sea down here. And this is the Jordan River. And this is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee had actually different names depending who, who wrote the Bible and what they were saying. Because they had different names for those people that lived there. Let's zoom in a little bit. Here is the sea. This is the, the, the area. This area would call this the Tiberias Sea if you live there. But up here was Gesenaret. This is what they, refer, they referred to as the name of, of Sea of Galilee. They would call it the Lake of Gesenaret. And that was what we're going to go to in, in Luke chapter 5 verse 1. One day Jesus was standing... By the lake of Gesenaret, Sea of Galilee. And the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Just like Andrea has said earlier. They need to have their faith informed. A little bit of information. So that's how it always begins. Faith comes from getting some information. You know, in Norway, they need a lot of information. Before they're going to put their faith. Or in Estonia, they need information. Not just come follow me. These countries need you to sit down and explain Jesus was actually a real figure in history. That's where they start. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay, okay. He was a human. He was here. Let's start there. They don't start with, hey man, come follow me. Make your fishers a man, man. Come on. You'll be by yourself. So it begins with some questions, you know. Because followership 
Followership does not necessarily begin with believing. Perhaps it begins with asking some questions. So he's at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So again, have you ever been out fishing? Uh, these guys, when they come back in, or if you have a personal boat, the first thing you do is you clean out your boat. Clean out all the beer cans, sunglasses, sunflower seeds, sandwiches. You're collecting them all. It's a little bit of a, it's an hour's good of work getting your boat cleaned. Getting your nets clean, whatever you want to do, getting your lures out, putting your lures back in, in your tackle box. This is what they're doing. And Jesus gets in the boat, one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asks him to put out a little, a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John are right there. They're here. So when he finished speaking, He said to Simon, now at this point, it would make more sense to follow because they got some information. They got a little bit of information from Jesus, so at least they heard what he had to say. But Jesus wants to give them a baby step. He wants them to step forward. Instead of abandoning your family and follow me, Jesus gives them a step. Put put the boat out to deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Remember when Jesus met Matthew? Just come follow me. The next thing they did, was they went to his house. They had a party. He was hanging out there. He was socializing. The tax collectors came. The Pharisees were there. Why was this guy? That, that's, Jesus. that's how he does it. He meets you. Come follow. Let's go hang out a little bit. So in this case, instead of a dinner party, Jesus takes him fishing. He's fishermen. Now there's, there's a problem here. It sounds simple enough, but they just spent hours cleaning their nets. There's more to that. So Simon says this, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Fishermen fish at night because the water's cooler. And when the water's cooler, fish come up to the surface and they catch the fish. When you see fishermen out there at noon on a lake, They're not going to catch a lot of fish. You have to go early in the morning or you go at night. And here was this carpenter telling a fisherman, let's go out there in the heat of the day and let's drop your nets. You can imagine if you were an experienced fisherman how absurd this is. This is insanely absurd. He's asking them to unroll their clean nets and fish when the fish aren't there. And people were watching Peter. Jesus was just asking for a baby step. Remember, the other accounts said, hey, follow me. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-huh. This is what was happening between the follow me. Jesus took Peter fishing. Will you trust me in this one small thing? Will you take a small risk to see if there's more to me than what you originally imagined? Is there more to me than what you experienced when you were growing up in church? Is there more to Jesus that you may not know? And look what Peter replies. Because you say so. Not because it makes sense. Not because I want to. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
I'm going to trust you with this small thing in my life. It's going to cost me time, and it may cost me my reputation, but I will trust you. You are a carpenter. I am a fisherman. I'm going to trust you. This makes no sense. I don't want to do it, but because you say so, you're a rabbi, you teach at the synagogue on Saturdays, I'm going to trust you. But I really don't want to. And what Peter and his friends didn't know what didn't know what was what hung in the balance. What if Peter what if what if Jesus would have told Peter, Peter, if you follow me, your name will be honored for thousands of years. In fact, where they bury you, it would take them hundred and eighteen years to build your tomb. Peter was killed in Rome. Imagine what would have told him that. You'll die in Rome, and you'll be buried in Rome. And they'll make a basilica in your name. It will cost millions of dollars to build. It'll be there just for you, Peter. Because of your faith, generations upon generations will remember you. They will adorn the place where you lay. And people from all over the world will come and see you, Peter, and your tomb. But Jesus didn't tell him that. He just says, trust me. Let's go put out our nets. Now, what if Peter would have heard that? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, let's do That sounds awesome. 118 years it took them to build the Basilica for St. Peter. The same area where the Christians were accused of burning Rome. He'd be honored. Not just in our lifetime, but even after we're dead and gone, it'll still be there, and he'll still be honored. So when they had done so, when they had done so, remember, not when they had believed so, believed so there was no belief in, in this. There was, I'm just going to do it. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partner and the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, what do you think his reaction would have been? The carpenter was right. If I just trust, there's all this. He fell, or maybe he fell down. I don't know. But he fell at the, knee, at, the, at the feet of Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. It wasn't about the fish anymore. He actually been shoulder to shoulder with Jesus for hours. And then suddenly, he recognized who he was. He got asked to do something very small. Take a little risk. He's sitting there for hours. And then it dawns on him who Jesus really is. This simple act of faith intersected with what Jesus wanted him to do. And he hits him. And he falls to his knees. 
I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. And so were James and John. That's right, the sons of Zebedee. They saw this. It wasn't just a random, hey, come on, follow me. They saw something. Jesus said, I'll take you on a baby step. Trust me. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, in other words, he's saying, I got plans for you. You will fish for people. Peter's like thinking, probably thinking, I have no idea what that means, but yes, I will follow. I have no concept what that means. I'm a fisherman, but I'm going to follow you. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. We combine those two accounts, we get a complete picture of what happened. Theologians believe there was more interactions in between that as well. Jesus was coming around. He was taking some time. He was working the fellowship there, trying to find out who was going to be his 12 apostles. So this narrative reflects four stages of following. And I'm going to go through them right now for you. So if you're, if you're with us, I want you to understand these four stages. Because it, it has to begin with something. The first account was a little, whoa, 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 whoa. The second account, okay, I, I can see, how the, I can see why, they, why they went with Jesus now. So there's four stages we can learn. Number one is they, they sat and they listened. Just like you're doing today. You're sitting and you're listening and your faith is being informed with the scriptures. So you sit and you listen. Again, Andrea said this earlier. It comes from hearing the message. Her mom heard it and her grandma heard it. And today they're Christians. That's where it starts. Following always begins with information. Maybe your friend gave you a book to read that's spiritual in nature and you've been putting it off. I want to encourage you to sit and listen. Maybe you need need to Google and examine the evidence of Jesus. You should do that. The only commitment here is just to be here. To sit long enough to learn something. That's what the first stage is. Sit long enough. Come to a Bible talk on campus, right? They sit and they listen to learn something. We don't invite them to our little group and have a bucket of water waiting for them going, are you ready to get baptized? We don't don't do that on campus. We want want them to give them information. The second stage is, is that Jesus loaned him the boats. Can I borrow your boat stage? Matthew, let's go to your house and have a party. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I want to loan the boats. It's a small inconvenience. But we need a starting point. Maybe yours is to read the book of John in the Bible. Maybe that's a good place to start. It's an inconvenience. It may take 15 minutes of your morning. But loaning the boats, taking a little risk. Maybe it's praying. Maybe you haven't prayed in years because you blame God for something you think He did wrong to you. It's just a little risk, a little inconvenience. Peter did it and had a whole lot of fish. 
Third stage is taking him fish, fishing. This is where it gets kind of exciting. Peter, Peter is taken to go fish with Jesus. And God wants him to do something unusual in his life. It's very unusual to go fishing in the heat of the day. And Peter knows this. It's an unusual request. God wants us to conduct ourselves in this stage differently in one area of our life. Maybe God wants you to change the way how you and your wife interact at home. Maybe apologizing and owning your part is a step for you in the process. Taking you fishing. Maybe you committing to I'm more I'm sorry's than you, 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 you. You know, my house runs a whole lot better when I say, hey, it's my fault. When I take responsibility, my house is smooth. I get, I, in fact, I get to do what I, what I plan to do that night when I, my, when I say I'm sorry. If I, if I, I'm going I'm to watch my plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to get some popcorn. I'm going to have a great evening. You know, that evening is always ruined when I go, Karen, you, it ruins the whole night. I may end up there, but I'm always like, oh, my life is horrible. This movie's terrible. I mean, this terrible popcorn. And my life is just ruined. So for me, when I own and take responsibility, just for me, I get to enjoy my evening. You know, the, some, of the, some of the worst days for Karen and I are Sundays. Because our stress is always, it goes up. And when her stress goes up, she wants to talk. I don't want to hear a word. Because when I'm stressed, I want to whoop. I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to do what I want to do without talking to anybody. That's how guys handle stress. How do women handle stress? Monday, honey. Monday, I promise you, Monday, I'll give you these in a little, little, little... You have my ears. Instead of doing things the way you would normally would do, Jesus in this stage says, do in the way I'm asking you to do it. I know you don't fish at noon. I know you're 35 and single and you can't afford to be off the market. I know you've only been in the company for one year and they're making you work on Sundays. I know these are your only friends and you're afraid to lose them if you become a Christian. This is that stage. You, you, you sat and listened. You, you, you've loaned the boat in convenience. Now you're out there fishing. And the last stage is you leave your nets. That's the time in the stages where you surrender your life. That's that person you meet at church who's like, man, what would you think of that sermon, man? That was amazing, wasn't it? And you're like, it was good information. <laughs> you know? Like, they're so excited. You know, that's the stage where you can find people. And if you're not aware of the stages, that can be quite intimidating. Because they're over here, and you're like, I'm just barely getting in the water. Leave your nets. This is the surrender stage. I'll leave everything. You know, some of the brothers and sisters in, the, in, the, in Latvia, they left their hometown their home country in Russia to go to Latvia. They're living in a foreign land. Most of those missionaries aren't from there. That's not their country. But they understood, that's my stage of following Jesus. I'll leave my nets. I'll go. You've said enough. 
I've experienced enough. It's time to open my hand and say, God, I'm yours. That's that stage. I'm yours. Lead me, I will follow. So the question is, is is not, where are you at in this continuum? That's not the question. The question is, are you following? Are you following? Because this continuum will work through itself in your life. If you're following. If you're not, you'll never go through the stages. So whatever your next step is, I want to ask you, encourage you, and challenge you to take it. You know your next step. I want you to take it. Where's the point of challenge? Where are you stuck at? I want you to take a step forward in that direction. That's where God wants to work in your life. That's where God teaches you trust when something's difficult. As He taught Peter to put his nets out. That's a difficult thing. It may not make complete sense, but that's how God teaches us how to trust. And when you, when you realize that when you trust God and He's there, you're going, whoa, I'm moving on to the next stage. I'll leave my nets. Like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what hung in the balance was they decided to sit and listen. They took a small inconvenience. They, they managed that one area differently in their life, and they surrendered everything. I don't want to live my life and wonder, what if? You know, when God pushes me out of my comfort zone, I don't like it, just like you don't like it. I always think it's a little too risky. But when I take that step forward, and God is there, I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I left my nets. Every new stage of life for me is always a challenge for me. Kids are getting older, it's always a challenge. The anxiety goes up. Will my kids become Christians? That's the anxiety. That's the next stage. Well, am I, should I be doing what? What should I be doing? Help me. Right? Stress. Do you know what a lot of followers of Jesus have discovered along the way? Is that when they say yes to Jesus, He takes responsibility for the journey. And I can put my trust behind that. These are the stages. You know where you're at. What's the next step? Well, gee, I'm already at leave your nets. Then give the special, brother. Because if you're at leave your nets, special missions is like, you can't wait for special missions. But I suspect some of us have been around so long, we forgot what it means to leave our nets. They're back there, but we, for, we, we, we forgot what that means. That's surrendering. So whatever your next step is, I want you to take it, follow it, and you will not regret it. Thanks for your time, and thanks for coming out to our service. That concludes our church service for this morning. Thank you so much.